Again, a little bit of review. The normal P wave, okay, is the atrial depolarization we're going to talk about. How do you know it's uh, truly a P wave and not something that's an, a wave coming from somewhere else besides the, the SA, from a depolarization coming from the SA node in the atrium, okay? So the depolarization path, again, when it's in the, the, the SA node is in the right upper atrium, then you have depolarization that goes down and to the left. My sister recently got married, and uh, I've got a three-year-old boy, and he, um, the party afterwards, they had this dance stuff. And so they were doing the Cupid shuffle, and for weeks afterwards, he's going to the left, to the left, to the left, to the left, <laughs> around the house. So that's what I think about when I think about this. If you have a hard time remembering this, you just think down and to the left, to the left, to the left. <laughs> All right? So the wave of depolarization is going generally down and to the left like the Cupid shuffle does, okay? And so what would happen then if we think about lead two, okay, if you remember a minute ago we talked about lead two sits down here and reads in this direction, right? So if, if everything is going down and to the left from the atria, and it, when, it, when we get that depolarization from the SA node, we would expect a wave of depolarization going towards a positive electrode down here in lead two to give us what? An upright P wave, okay? So the P wave should be upright like this. If it's sinus rhythm, if it's coming from the SA node, it's going towards lead two. Lead two is always going to have a positive deflection for the P wave if it's a sinus rhythm. Dead giveaway, if you've got a negative P wave here, that it's not, an, and it's not coming from the SA node. So the same is also true, because if you remember AVR, this is one situation in which it will be helpful to you. AVR sits up here, so the wave of depolarization is going away from this. So AVR, we would expect the P wave always to be negative. Does that make sense? So going down and to the left, to the left. So we're getting that, that positive impulse down to lead to, giving us a positive P wave there, always a negative P wave in AVR, okay? So if you're unsure if it's a sinus rhythm, look at those two leads, those, those two things will always be there if it's a true <coughs> sinus rhythm, a true wave of depolarization that started in the SA node. Questions about that? Here's the diagram of what we just drew out for you. If it's, if it's a sinus rhythm, again, your P wave is going to be upright in lead two and negative in AVR. If it's what we call a junctional rhythm, I think we did touch on this a little bit the other day. Somebody had asked a question. You know, um, I can't remember how it was worded, but if the, if the, um, if the SA node's not working, okay, then we have the backup pacemakers as we go down the system, right? SA node doesn't work, so the AV, AV node hopefully will kick in next. And sometimes it will retrograde depolarize the atria, okay? Meaning the, the impulse starts here and goes up, right? So if it's going up and to the right, then the AVR is no longer negative, but becomes positive, and it's going away from this, so this becomes a negative wave. Everybody follow that? Okay. So sometimes, and we'll talk about these rhythms more in, in the coming weeks, but sometimes if, you'll, if there's something coming not from the SA node but from somewhere else, it will flip-flop things around and you can say that's not a sinus rhythm. Okay. All right, put your skills to use here. It does no good to memorize all these facts if you can't, can't read an EKG with it, okay? So is this a sinus rhythm or is this not a sinus rhythm? Good. And, and why would we call it a sinus rhythm? Awesome. So lead two has a positive P wave 
lead, lead AVR has a negative P wave up here. Again, these, these two leads always sit in these exact same positions on every 12 lead EKG. So you can memorize the map, kind of know where you're looking. So lead two is positive P wave, AVR negative P wave. Very good. Not a, I mean, it is a sinus rhythm. Sinus rhythm or not sinus rhythm, this is a, what we call rhythm strip. So this is what we're going to be working on for the first few weeks of class, just little strips like this, a rhythm strip, giving us one picture. And if you look over here, it'll tell you what lead it is. Lead two. And so is this a sinus rhythm or not a sinus rhythm? Very good. So the, as a negative P wave and lead two, it should always be positive. It's going to be sinus rhythm that's negative, so we know it's not sinus rhythm. All right, on to the QRS complex. Again, QRS complex is ventricular depolarization. It's when we have the contraction of the myocardium and it's um, atrial repolarization is often hidden within it or is hidden within it. Let's break it down a little bit more complex than what we got into last week, okay? Let's help you to understand the picture. Okay, we have our cardiac skeleton here, right? So the SA node, I'll give it a different color. SA node sitting up here, AV node here. Look at the bundle of his, and the right and left bundle branches, and Purkinje fibers. Yeah. Okay. So the wave of depolarization down into the left from the SA node, depolarizing the left, uh, the right atria first into the left atria, right? Stopped by the cardiac skeleton, reaches the AV node, which pauses things for a minute, and that wave of depolarization then. We talked about going into the right and left bundle branch, okay? Now, why do we get this complex thing look like that for the ventricular depolarization? Why isn't it just a pretty wave or, you know, in one direction? It's because it's more complicated as to what's happening down here in the ventricles. So the, the impulse actually travels down the left bundle branch initially, just slightly before it does in the right bundle branch, okay? So if the left side over here is depolarizing first, then all this myocardium over here has to, the, is being depolarized in that, from that direction, from left to right. Everybody see what I'm saying? And then this will follow. So it's this, it's because this left bundle comes, oftentimes will depolarize first, that we get an initial depolarization that moves from the left to the right in the intraventricular septum. So let's throw lead two back up here to help us understand that, okay? So it's, um, and then, then what happens, let's talk about this first. So then we get that wave of depolarization comes down in this direction here. And then as the, as the impulses continue to travel down, the, the Purkinje fibers will depolarize all pretty much simultaneously. So which direction would it go then? Does anybody remember what, what and why? Good. Why would, it be to the, why would, the, why would that be towards the left? What, is, what are we looking at the electrical activity of? The myocardium. What do we know about the myocardium in the left ventricle? It's a lot bigger, so there's more electrical activity going to go that way. So even if it's, again, it's like the vector. It's moving in all directions right now. The electrical activity is going to the right and to the left. But because the left is much larger in the normal heart, we're going to get the, that main vector is going to be going now towards the left, okay? Just like that. So we have a small impulse going from the left to the right in the intraventricular septum. And as things continue to depolarize, then the, then the main vector then shifts to the left because this left, left ventricle over here is much, much 
larger than the right. Yes. Perfect. Yes, that's right. So in the normal heart, now it's not always there, but if it is, then you have that we call a normal or septal Q wave, okay? This is the difference between a pathologic and a normal physiologic one. We call it a septal Q wave followed by the big R wave. And again, this all depends upon what lead you're looking in because this will be your, this will be your left, the left chest leads would look like this versus your right chest leads, which would have a small R, whoop, yeah, small R followed by a deep S, okay? And we'll, we'll break that down here in a second, okay? So depending on what view you're looking at, that's what's, what's gonna happen and that's why because we're having this initial depolarization of the intraventricular septum from left to right, and then the big one going all the way towards the left, okay? Again, here's your picture you can look at later to help you remember. Again, that left, left bundle branch is depolarizing slightly before the right, depolarizing from the left to the right in the intraventricular septum, and then the big wave of impulse shooting back to the left because that's where the main muscle mass is at in, in the left ventricle. Everybody follow that? Okay. So there's what we call R wave progression because remember every picture is giving us a, a bit of a different angle. And I erase that heart up here. Draw it back. I am not an artist. Okay. So V1, V2, V3, V4, V5, and V6 like so. So these are our chest leads, right? Reading from front to back. They're, they're reading this electrical impulse that we're just talking about. And we get what's called an R-wave progression, okay? So again, you'll see that, that initial septal um, depolarization here in V1 is gonna be positive, followed by a, a big negative deflection of the left ventricle here. And as we move and we change the picture, we move farther to the left, then that picture will change where it becomes more positive rather than negative, okay? Does everybody follow that okay? Okay. So we're just basically shifting, shifting our perspective a bit from, from left to right, okay? So the QRS, we're talking about the QRS here, is mainly negative in V1, slightly less negative in V2, what we call essentially biphasic in V3, and this is what we call a normal R-wave progression. Now, not everybody looks exactly like this. Um, when it switches from switches from negative to positive, we call that the transition zone. That should happen somewhere between V3 and V4 in the normal heart, okay? So some, some people, if they've had a myocardial infarction, you'll see that it remains maybe positive all the way through, which would be abnormal, or negative maybe all the way through. So, so things are abnormal there, and that, that's one sign we can look at that. But if, if, if everything is moving along normally like that, that's what we call a normal R-wave progression. So again, up here it'll say loss of normal R-wave progression can be due to an, an anterior MI, right ventricular hypertrophy, chronic lung disease, dilated cardiomyopathy, CHF, or just the, somebody didn't put the leads on right. Remember, like I said earlier, you know, if somebody's kind of jacked up where those, where those precordial leads are at, the picture might be slightly off. And that's what I was referring to is this R-wave progression may not be, you know, quite right. So again, the point in which the ratio of the R wave to the S wave becomes greater than one is called the transition zone. And that's typically at V3 and V4, sometimes can happen as early as V2. 
If it happens at V5 or V6 instead of V3 and V4, it's a delayed transition. And again, one major sign of a myocardial, why do we care about this? Because one of the major signs of an MI is the loss of a normal R wave progression, okay? We'll get more into MI towards the end of the course, but just go ahead and pocket that information. This is what we're talking about when we talk about R wave progression. So yeah, and either an early transition or delayed transition would be a loss of normal R wave progression and it could be a sign of an MI or those other things we talked about, improper lead placement or whatever. Okay. So this is a 12 lead EKG, uh, shows normal R wave progression. Remember, R wave progression is something we're talking about in the chest or precordial leads. Those are V1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. They're always over here on the right side of the 12 lead EKG. It should go from mainly negative QRS complex to a mainly positive QRS complex. With the transition zone where it becomes, instead of mainly negative, mainly positive, somewhere around V3 or V4, okay? You can see it's maybe a little bit more positive here in V3 um, than it is negative, so the transition zone here was at V3, okay? Again, just trying to throw a concept at you today that is gonna be more applicable later on in the course, but we're, since we're just kind of here, we're just talking about it. So R-way progression is something we're talking about in the precordial leads, mainly negative to mainly positive with a transition zone at V3 and V4, being normal. <coughs> this person is having an inferior MI. Which, which are inferior leads? Perfect, 2, 3, and AVF. So they're, they're always over here, 2, 3, AVF are inferior leads, and why do I know they're having an MI? Again, just Throwing it at you, it's because they have ST elevation, okay? So again, the ST segment should be at the normal, at the baseline here, and if you come across, you can see it's sitting higher than it should be, and it's doing that in all three of these leads. Um, and we have also what we call reciprocal depression, just throwing it at you, don't have to memorize this now. But we have depression over here, which means showing that something else, from the other perspective, is showing the same thing, but, but opposite. So this person's having an inferior MI. The, which, which coronary artery? Right. right coronary artery, perfect. So and one of the other things we can look at too, remember one sign of an MI could be a loss of R wave progression. So for our R wave progression, we look over at the precordial leads, again, always on the right side of the EKG over here, V1 through V6. And we see that instead of gradually becoming, um, instead of being negative and gradually becoming positive, it's already positive from the get-go here, okay? So it's already positive. So norm, normal ST segment represents um, uh, the early phase of, rep, uh, of ventricular repolarization. Again, it's supposed to be isoelectric, just like that last EKG we looked at. It should be at the, at the baseline. Now, slight deviations are okay. Um, generally, if it's less than a millimeter. So let's see if I got, if there's any ST changes here. That, okay. So less than a millimeter, generally okay. This one over here, if you look at V5, may have just a slight bit of ST change. Not very much. This one here has maybe just a little bit, but it's less than a millimeter, so we don't get too upset about it. But it's these big ones like this, you know, that start catching our attention and become something significant, okay? Again, we'll, we'll dive more when we talk about MIs. We'll get into the more details of that, but know that Slight, slight deviations in the ST segment can be normal. 
All right. So as a rule, the T wave generally follows the direction of the main QRS deflection, okay? So what that's saying is if the QRS complex is generally positive like this, we should have a, a positive T wave, okay? Um, sometimes in those right chest leads, see, my racer's not working. Again, our right chest leads are V1 and V2, okay? Sometimes in those right chest leads where we have a negative deflection mainly, you can also have a negative T wave. So V1 and V2 um, may have a negative T wave in them, but generally always positive by V3, okay? The reason this is important is if, if you've got a negative T wave in V5 and V6, or you know, those, those left-sided chest leads, that can be a sign that the heart has ischemia, okay? It can be an abnormal finding that we need to make sure we're paying attention to and looking at. So this is a basic rule you need to understand that uh, that, you know, it's going to, if the QRS complex is generally negative, it's okay to have a negative T wave, and that's going to be in our right-sided chest leads that we would see that, okay? So the T wave is always negative in AVR, uh, uh, but should always be positive in lead two, just like the P wave, right? P wave should always, if it's sinus rhythm, should always have a positive P wave in two, negative in AVR. The same would be true with the T wave. We would expect it to be the same, same um, deflection. All right, again, left-sided chest leads such as V4, 5, and 6 should have a positive T wave. If not, that's an abnormality. Um, and T waves in the other leads like V1, 2, 3 um, may be negative, may be positive. The general rule of thumb, though, is once it, flip, once it flips, um, flips positive, let's say this is V1, V2, let's say it goes positive, then it should remain positive all the way through V3, 4, 5, and 6, okay? Once it's positive, we should continue to get that same picture. And if we didn't, say V3, um, it was negative again, this definitely should catch our attention that something is abnormal. Does that, that make sense? Okay. All right. Here's what's called a ju juvenile T-wave pattern where, where that, that T may say flip longer than, than normal in adults, okay? So just, just keep that in mind. Um, the main thing here I would say is T wave should be positive generally by V3 or 4, okay? And if not, those are abnormalities. Questions about that? Okay, moving into heart rate. So there are circumstances in which the the atria and the ventricles contract at a different rate. Just like that one sample example you guys had on your um, homework where there were extra P waves, but there were, you know, there were missing QRS complexes, you know, the atria was firing at a different rate than the ventricles. So in that instance, we have to measure the rate of the atria and the rate of the ventricles to be accurate about, you know, about, about what we're talking about. So what we look at for the atrial rate is the, is the time interval between the P to P waves, okay? So basically you're looking at each P wave here, and again, this is not a U wave, this is a P wave, right? It has the same morphology as this, and the, the T wave would be generally smaller. If there's, I mean, the U wave would be generally smaller. If there's going to be one, it would be right on the tail end of the T. So these are the, this is the P to P interval, and we would measure that out, and the distance between that is going to help us to determine the rate of the atria. Same thing is true with the ventricles. We're going to measure the R to R interval, and that's going to give us the, the rate of that. And we'll break that down here next, okay? So P to P interval for the atrial rate, 
r to r interval for the ventricular rate. There's a few different ways you can do it. One one's called the count-off method. If you have a Dubin's book or ever read Dubin's book, um, he talks about these, the count-off method, and we'll, we'll talk about that one. There's a six-second rule. Basically, what you're doing is counting the number of, of complexes within six seconds and multiplying it by 10, which would give you the number of complexes in a minute, right, which would give you your heart rate. There's a 300 method and a 1500 method. So the count-off is you find an R wave that peaks on or near a heavy black line, okay? And then what you want to do is start counting off each black line until you reach that next QRS complex, okay? So let's say there's a QRS complex right here. We would go 300, 150, 175 because it lands right next to that. We know the rate is approximately 75. Okay, and we'll, we'll get more into that here in just a second. So, so there's a, this is what we call the count-off method, okay? Um, all right, so if we, had, if we had one full block between the, between the two R to R complexes, then we would have a rate of 300. Everybody, everybody see what I'm this is getting at here? Okay, 150, 100. So I, I, need, I need to guess three more volunteers. <laughs> we won't have to hold strings this time. We're getting any funny positions, I promise. Come on. All right. This is, good, this is gonna seem pretty silly and ridiculous, but I promise by the end of this, you'll have these things memorized real good. So why don't you like have you take charge of these first three rows? You can take charge of the middle three rows. You can take charge of whatever's left in the back. Okay. Leftovers. The leftovers. It's always what's best anyway. Leftovers. Okay. So the easiest way to do this is just to memorize this these these numbers: 300, 150, 175, 60, 50. And if you can nail those things down, then all you got to do is count how many black lines there are, and you got the rate figured out in your head. So we're going to do a little chant. Okay, a little cheerleading, a little participation. It's, it's basketball season. We'll just pretend you're watching the Grizz and you're cheering them on. That's what we're going to do. So um, what we'll do is you, the first three rows, you're going to yell out 300. They're going to say 300. You're going to yell out 150. They're going to say it 150. And then we'll do uh, 75 in the back. Okay, and we're going to, I'm sorry, one, one, 100. So 300, 150, 100. And we're just going to cheer it on until we... 300, 100, yeah, 150, oh, okay. 100. Yeah. See what right. I'm saying? Is everybody ready? <laughs> All right. All right. 300. 300. 150. 150. 100. 100. Come on. Make them hear you down the hall. No, no, no. Just do 300, 150, 100. 300, 150. Yeah, do that first. 300. Sorry. 300. 150. 150. One more time. 300. All right, very good. Now stay where you are. Stay where you are. There's more. There's more. There's more. So the next three are 75, 60, 50. So 300, 150, 100, 75, 60, 50. Okay? So roll with it, man. You're 75, 60, 50. 75, 75, 60, 50, 50, 50, 75, 75, 60, 60, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50
Again, what we're trying to do is find the QRS complex that lands on a dark black line because it's going to help our eyes to keep track of it, okay? So the one that looks, I mean, there's one right here that looks like it's right on a dark black line. So let's start with that one. So 300, 150, 175, 60. So we know the rate is somewhere between 60 and 75. It's a little bit closer to the 60. That's all I really care about at this point with this method, okay? Generally, it's a little more than 60, less than 75, okay? Everybody see that? Okay. All right. Same thing here. Um, find one on a black line as close as you can. Okay, this one's good. 300, 150. I'm sorry, 300, 150, 100. We know it's between 100 and 150. It's kind of right in the middle, so maybe it's around 125, okay? Again, these are averages. That's a general idea, okay? This is just a very generic method to figure this out. Um, one more. Uh, this one looks like it's on a line, so 300, 150, 100, it's a little less than 100. Okay, everybody seeing that? Okay, so it gives you a general idea of the rate using that method. Now, you get a rate below 50, you start having problems, right? Because you only know 300, 150, 100, 75, 60, 50. What comes after that? Well, we may have to do a different method, okay? So there's one called a 300 method, okay? So what you're doing is you're counting the number of large boxes that land between two R waves. And then we're taking that number um, and dividing it by 300, okay? So, eh, is there one that lands on a dark black line? Yeah, maybe this one, okay. So it's got approximately one, two, two and a half boxes maybe between, between okay? So basically what we're doing here, what does this say up here? Oh, yeah, we did that one. 300 divided by two and a half large boxes equals 120 beats per minute. Does everybody see that? Okay. So if you had, if you had a, a complex only one large block away, that's a, that's a rate of 300. Okay. Two blocks away, 150. Three blocks away, 100. Okay, 350, 100. That's where the math comes in. Everybody follow? Yeah, exactly right. Because what we're, we're talking about here, again, um, if, if you want to be accurate, if the, if the P waves don't match up with the QRS, and in all these examples they have, so the rate would be the same. But this is ventricular depolarization or ventricular contraction, so that's a beat, that's a beat, and that's a beat, okay? So basically what you're doing is measuring the time interval between those two complexes that's giving you your heart rate. Make sense? All right, so more than one way to skin the cat. See, if you were to do this one, you go 300, 150, 175, 60, 50. Oh, crap, you know, I don't know what comes next after that. So you have to, you have to count the number of large blocks. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight and a half. So you would take 300 divided by eight and a half, and somebody tell me what the rate would be. 32. 32. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I'm not doing it. That's probably right. Okay. So let's say this is lead AVR. Sinus rhythm or not sinus rhythm? Good job. Good job. All right. If you want to get more specific, I mean, the smaller the intervals you, that you're counting up here, the more accurate your rate will be. So if you want to be really anal about it, 
you can do 1500 method, okay? And so you're counting the number of small blocks between it. Um, and so this was 12 and a half small blocks between your R to R interval. I guess, I think this is the same strip we had a minute ago, and it shows that we have a rate of 120, okay? So 1500 divided by the number of small blocks equals your rate, right? So you can do the count off method. If it's not less than 50, um, if you want to get more specific with it, you can do the 300 or, one, or the 1500 method, which is basically just taking those numbers and, and dividing, okay? There's also the six second rule. So when we talk about rhythm strips, a lot of times, although not always, but a lot of times there's these, what we call six second, or three second marks up here. There's a mark here, it's kind of hard to see one there and one there. And what these do is it's saying from here to here is three seconds and another three seconds right there. So if we take a six second strip and we count the number of complexes that are within that and multiply it by 10, it gives us a, a, a general idea of the heart rate, right? Okay. Pretty easy stuff. Much less complicated than all the other things we talked about. All right. So one second interval is equal to, to five large blocks. So if there's not those three second marks up there, what you can do is you can count up the, the large blocks and get you some seconds here together. So one, two, three, four, five, you make a mark. Do that six times, you get yourself six second strip, and you count the number of, of complexes occurring in that and multiply it by 10, okay? A little bit of legwork involved if those things aren't there and you try to do it that way. So, why would we want to use a six-second rule, okay? If we've got a nice, normal, regular rhythm, everything's happening the exact same way every single time, the R to R is always the same, then the, the count-off method's perfectly fine. But let's say you have something like what we call atrial fibrillation, where the rate, where the QRS complex is always negative, I mean, always uh, irregular. There's, there's never, per, every one you're trying to measure, is, none of them are the same, okay? So to get an average of what that's gonna be, we, in that situation, we have to use the six-second rule in order to figure out what the general heart rate is, okay? Because it's irregular. So anytime you have an irregular rhythm, this is, your, this is the way you're going to do your count-off, okay? Because uh, this is the way you're going to do your, your heart rate calculation. Because if you do the count-off, it's only going to be for that, that particular section, everything else is going to be different. Does that make sense? Irregular rhythms, six-second rule. Irregular rhythms, six-second rule. Irregular rhythms, six-second rule. Okay. Irregular rhythms, six-second I'm going to introduce you to a few basic rhythms today because I think this is some of your homework stuff is, is some of this, okay? Sinus rhythm, we've already talked about it. It's, it's, it's a rhythm that originates from the SA node, okay? The SA node is the primary pacemaker. So this is a normal rhythm. Most of us, hopefully all of us, are probably in sinus rhythm. If you don't have sinus rhythm, let me know. If you think that's something different. All right. So in the normal general heart rate is from 60 to 100 beats per minute. Again, if you're an athlete, sometimes it's slower than that. If you're up exercising, sometimes it's faster than that. But sinus rhythm is 60 to 100 beats per minute, and it's a, it's a depolarization that began in the SA node, okay? So again, you have an upright P wave in lead two and a negative P wave always in lead AVR, okay? So in a 12 lead EKG, we're trying to figure out if it's sinus rhythm. We go straight to the P waves, we look at that, and that's gonna be one help to the clue, okay? So each QRS complex, each time you have a ventricular depolarization, every time, if it's sinus rhythm, there will be a P wave to come before it, okay? 
Sometimes there's not. That means it's, it's not sinus rhythm, okay? It has to be coming from the SA node. It has to be coming from that or it's not sinus rhythm, okay? Again, always upright in lead two, always inverted or negative in, in lead AVR. Um, and the QRS complexes should be of a normal duration, less than 100 milliseconds wide, unless there's what we call a bundle branch block, okay? And we'll get into those later. Don't worry about that right now. So normal and constant PR interval is the other thing. I don't think I mentioned this out loud, but it's up here. So the distance between the beginning of your P wave to the, to the QRS complex is our PR interval, right? That needs to be the same every single time, every single time to be a sinus rhythm. Because there's rhythms in which this duration will gradually get longer and longer and longer, and that's a different rhythm, what we call winky block or type two AV block, okay? So we want to measure the PR interval, make sure each one of them is exactly the same. Okay. Questions about that? So sinus tachycardia is exactly the same rules, except for the rate is different, okay? So sinus tachycardia just means it's a sinus rhythm that's faster than 100 beats per minute, okay? Generally, that rate's going to be so 160 beats per minute, it can be faster. But a lot of times we get rates much, much faster than that, say 200, and we're looking at a tachycardia, there's a, it's unlikely to be sinus rhythm is, is probably another reason for them to be tachycardic, um, like a, a supraventricular tachycardia, we'll talk about later, okay? So rate, again, rates kind of can help you to determine what the rhythm is, you know, when, when you're trying to put everything together. So just know, generally speaking, sinus tachycardia, 100 to 160 beats per minute. Um, again, the P wave morphology here is the same in normal sinus rhythm, always upright in lead two, always inverted in AVR. Same rules for sinus bradycardia, except for the rate is different. It's slower than 60 beats per minute. Oftentimes between 45 and 59, again, these are general ranges, but if you get a, a rhythm that's in the 30s or the 20s, we're probably talking about something else, an idioventricular rhythm or junctional rhythm, something else is going on besides sinus bradycardia, okay? Commonly associated with sinus arrhythmia, which will be on the next slide, I believe, and we'll get on that in a second. And again, the P wave morphology, exact same as a normal sinus rhythm, positive in lead two and negative in AVR. You guys have got that now, right? Okay. All right, so sinus arrhythmia, is, is, is very normal, okay? And most of the time, probably most of us have some sinus arrhythmia now. And all that means is that the, the R to R interval has a slight variation in it. So um, if you look at this R to R interval, it's not quite the same as that one, right? Okay, so a little longer. That one kind of goes back to that. But most of the time, it's pretty good, although there's some, some slight variance from R to R at times. And this is what happens just with normal respiratory cycles, especially in young kids. I mean, I'll be you know, listening with a stethoscope, and you'll have it on their chest, and you hear boom, 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 boom. You know, it's like this. There's something there that just seems a little bit different, and all that is is sinus arrhythmia. It's when they're taking a deep breath in, the heart rate slows down, speeds back up as they blow out, and so that's that's basically what that is. Okay. Um, and so it's just a again vary by less than 0.16 seconds or more. So very slight variation, but it's it's a normal finding. Okay, we call it sinus arrhythmia. Things we want to look at on every EKG, these are the things we've talked about so far and things that as you do your homework, 
um, and you're practicing these EKGs, I want you to think through each of these steps. First thing you can do is look at the rate. Again, if you have a systematic approach to doing it, you won't miss something and you'll get really good at this. And so always start out, I suggest starting out with the rate. Do your count off method. If it's, if it's irregular, you're doing a six second um, strip, right? Counting the number of complexes in six seconds. And then we're looking for the rhythm. Right now, you only know three rhythms. Sinus rhythm, sinus tachycardia, oh, no, four. Sinus rhythm, sinus tachycardia, sinus bradycardia, and sinus arrhythmia. So we're trying to figure out which one of those it is based on the rate, based on whether the P waves are upright, negative, et cetera, right? Okay. We're also looking to go ahead and measure the amplitude and the duration of your P wave. You haven't talked about why or what that means yet, but go ahead and start practicing doing that because it does come in handy later. And duration of the PR interval, Again, less than 0.20 seconds. And the duration of the QRS complex, if it's normal, is less than 0.1 second, right? And is the ST segment isoelectric? So these are things you can already begin making sure you're checking on every EKG that you're interpreting.